The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hi everyone, Steve here. As we were recording this episode, our plan was to talk about the Kyle Beach, Chicago Blackhawks, Brad Aldrich situation then make a clear distinction and get into goofy flyperbole stuff. And we wanted to make a clear distinction because we wanted to give notice to anybody who might be a survivor of sexual assault or anything like that, so that they could, if they felt so inclined, they could they could skip that content just in case it's a trigger or anything. Uh, I, I totally understand if anybody would not want to listen to that. And we, we don't really get into the grisly details of everything that happened, but... We do talk about the situation and the fact that there was uh, an assault, and it's something we felt very strongly needed to be addressed. We were going to make a clear distinction, though, and then have our usual fly shenanigans. However, then this happened. Some people would consider more of a gray area. I, I personally don't. Uh, oh, calm the fuck on. Is that a fire alarm? That is a fire alarm. So yeah, the fire alarm went off in Eamon's building just as we were about to shift gears. So <laughs> we end up with a full episode just dedicated solely to everything that happened. And I, I'm actually, I, I like that idea. I like having something just dedicated to some serious talk and, and anger about what happened because the situation is so incredibly screwed up and we feel strongly the that the NHL, Chicago, Blackhawks, you know, they have screwed everything up so much. And I, it just makes me sick. But the rest of the podcast is about that. If you cannot hear that, uh, I would recommend not listening. Thank you so much for your continued support. Here's the show. Let's get into it. I'm Steve Jaco. I'm here with Eamon Smith. Eamon, this has been... A, a, I don't even know the word to describe how the past few days have been in the hockey world, but it's been big, and the news that's come out around the Chicago hockey team uh, is considerable, and so essentially, if you're not, if you're not up to date with this, there were two lawsuits filed against the organization, the Chicago Blackhawks organization, alleging that Brad Aldrich had sexually assaulted a former Blackhawks player 
and high school player in 2010. I, I believe there were other people involved as well. Like he, or, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it was a former Blackhawks player. And it basically it, it, it had gotten reported and then pretty much just jammed back down by management and just very disgusting. But the Chicago organization had put a formal investigation down and they released the results earlier this week and it made everything look at least how they handled it internally that much worse. It it was pretty just pretty awful. The details that came out about it and the other piece of news that came out about this recently was that the John Doe from the reports and from the court reports and everything um, had stepped forward and revealed himself as Kyle Beach. He was a former first round pick of Chicago. So number one, I mean, how courageous of Kyle to come forward to, to put this out there and to reveal himself. Like he did not have to do that. And it's really uh, courageous of him to do this. I'm very proud of him for doing that. And what a situation, what an ordeal he went through and how disgusting the acts of Chicago the Chicago hockey club here. I'm not even sure how much I should be saying their name anymore, but it, you know, how disgusting how they handled all of this it is just truly vile. Yeah. Let's run through some specifics here. And again, for those who don't want to be listening to some more graphic or upsetting content, you might want to move to the later timestamp that we have included in the description here. But Uh, just running through all of what happened. So initially, this is reported over the summer as a lawsuit being filed by two former Blackhawks players who were sexually assaulted by video coach Brad Aldrich in a post-game or sometime after a game during the 2010 playoff run that the Chicago Blackhawks had. The two then went and reported it to first a coach and then It worked its way up the chain. Just some specific details in here. Kyle Beach, who came forward and sort of specified that he was the person who had filed the lawsuit and then publicly went out for an interview on TSN the other day, said that when he reported this to the team, uh, the initial person he talked to, whose name escapes me, but was a coach who he is quite close with still, did everything that he could to make sure that this made its way up the chain. And we know now that a lot of people are implicated in just simply ignoring this. Uh, Beach also said that there was a mental skills coach for the Blackhawks who he was sat down with. Um, He also doubled as a counselor. This man is not a doctor. And he essentially told Beach that this was his fault for putting himself in the situation. Aldrich was kept with the team throughout the rest of the playoff run, lifted the Stanley Cup with the team, was part of the parade. And then when he was let go, he was not stamped as a sex offender. Instead, he went and got another college job with the University of Miami, Ohio. And then when he was no longer part of that program, he went and he got a job with a high school in Michigan where he ended up molesting a 16-year-old boy who has yet to be identified, which is good. He doesn't need to be. So that occurred as a result of the Blackhawks' negligence, willful ignorance, or just refusal to 
deal with the problem, the situation, the horrible act that Aldrich had perpetrated, and then going forward from that. So Beach didn't receive any support from the club, just attempted to continue his career and bury this within himself, as he sort of admitted in this interview with Rick Westhead that was released on TSN. For those who haven't watched it, go watch it. It's heartbreaking. I watched it earlier today, and it was powerful, heartbreaking. It, it just—it's it, tough to watch, but it's very important to watch, especially if you uh, need more insight into this issue and and just the impact it has had on this this guy's life. It is just—it's it, just wrenching. It's, it's gut wrenching to watch, but it's important to watch. Yeah. So continuing on here, this we know made its way to at least seven members of the Blackhawks hierarchy at the time, who are now spread all across the league. That's what happens when you have a dynastic team. People take pieces of front offices and coaching staffs and add them to their teams. So this affects a lot of NHL franchises who employ some very high-profile figures. Kevin Sheffield-Dayoff, Joel Quenville, Stan Bowman, Al McIsaac. These are just a few people. I think the other person who's been implicated that deserves some discussion too is uh i'm so bad with names i apologize but the head of the nhlpa last name fair i believe who received this information and just failed to do his job uh i think it's donald fair yes yes donald fair yes the the players union knew about this also beach uh, alleges, and this is not confirmed or corroborated, but based upon his testimony, seems pretty believable. And also some other stuff, some contextual stuff that we know, that Blackhawks players were taunting him for this after the incident and making homophobic comments towards him around the rink, around the arena, just all over the place in front of media members. And it is so upsetting. That is so upsetting. And there's so, failures everywhere. So awful, but at the same time, not surprising in the slightest. I mean, no. how many times have I had to come on this program at this point and either speak about how upsetting it is to see more homophobia in the game or more racism? Just the amount of times I have had to come on the show and, and talk about these issues is just, disgusting it is awful sports culture in general is just vile it's really vile it's awful and the fact that they're doing this to him over at all is just terrible let alone the fact that it was due to a sexual assault it's just it's beyond vile i have used that word a few times but it's the only word i can think of it is just terrible that they would do this and like, to say it's not surprising, I mean, we've heard about issues of how people speak on the ice and everything. Somebody had pointed out, and uh, my apologies for not uh, knowing offhand who pointed it out, but somebody had pointed out that in a 2010 Stanley Cup celebration picture with Taves and Kane, there was a whiteboard behind the players, and it said, next to Chris Pronger, is gay. Which is just such, like, immature, stupid humor but it really goes to show you the the attitude towards this, the fact that you know the, those forty, <laughs> like, and and just to torture the guy over this is just a it's just an awful awful way to act. Before going on, I just wanted to applaud the tremendous journalistic work by Rick Westhead and Katie Strang on this. Just it, two journalists who just dug in there 
and kept looking for the story and kept reporting it and kept it visible for everybody. Important to keep visible. We're not seeing... I, I, I hope we see the repercussions that deserve to happen in the game from this. I, I doubt we'll see the full repercussions that deserve to happen, but we're at least seeing some. And you wouldn't have any of this. You wouldn't have any of this awareness without that great work by them. Yeah, also shout out to Mark Lazarus, who's done a really good job in the wake of all of this. Uh, Blackhawks reporter who has just had some excellent stuff recently. So he he wasn't, I don't think, nearly as key in keeping the story alive or doing some of the investigative work to break it, but he's been good in the aftermath. So props to him on that end. Yeah, I was glad Lazarus was out there last night getting quotes from two of the key figures on the player side of this, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that here. Continuing on through some of these details here, the the members of the Blackhawks organization that were implicated, all of them were released from the organization. It's looking like Joel Quenville is going to be fired in short order here by the Florida Panthers. So that's hopefully going to occur the league will do the right thing but he still managed to coach a game after all of this just broke, stunning which is just insane stunning decision to let him go out there and then duck reporters yeah. after the game completely avoided <laughs> them. just went out the back door like what a coward an absolute cowardly man yeah so this comes after too uh as as beach says in his interview with rick westhead the blackhawks denied an investigation when he came to them with the suit the nhl denied an investigation before that apparently uh they wanted nothing to do with it there was another i believe the nhlpa he requested an investigation to be performed and they didn't want to touch it either correct me if i'm wrong well and and what i saw with aldrich and the blackhawks specifically is that hr after the conclusion of the 2010 season and aldrich got to spend some time with the stanley cup which was really nice for him hr gave him the choice of either being investigated or just quitting and leaving. And he chose quitting which, like, and leaving, which is an obvious choice if you're in Aldridge issues and you're a flat-out criminal. If if they had said, okay, we'll like let you go, we're not going to do like a full investigation through the team, but we're going to report you and what you did and label you and prevent you from ever getting a job in hockey again so that people know what you are and what you did and they held him accountable right then, then we're not even talking about this. Yep. Like, we maybe it comes up because they kept the guy on for three weeks, which is still, regardless, a shitty, terrible thing. And there was a quote from uh, Stan Bowman in the investigation, which, by the way, this had to be conducted independently because the league had such a conflict of interest here that they could not be trusted. So Stan Bowman in there basically quotes Joel Quenville as saying, not, this is not a direct quote, obviously, I'm paraphrasing here, but the gist of it is uh, that they're in the playoffs, this is a distraction, they can't afford to be focused on it right now, they need to focus on winning, and that was the rationale for why this was swept under the rug and nothing was done about it. So, I mean, what, what, like, warped fucking perceptions of reality by these people it's it's horrifying can you imagine sleeping at night having made a decision to keep a sexual predator because that's what this guy is he is a sexual predator who was who was able to continue working with young players Mm -hmm. 
and they knew they knew he was doing that they 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 just did not care enough to be bothered to do anything the chicago blackhawks and the nhl are directly responsible for these further heinous acts that he made that is that's a fact yes they they are directly gary gary bettman and the chicago blackhawks and the members of that team to to an extent are directly culpable for the molestation of a 16 year old boy uh and they will have to live with that on their conscience forever and i hope that it's seared into their minds and they can't live a single day without thinking about what awful people they are or how like horrible they were in that moment and continually horrible they were afterwards by not being brave enough to speak up because these are people who are outside of the situation who didn't have the fucking balls to step up and just at the very least make some commotion again we'll get to in a little bit here jonathan daves and patrick kane but beach and boynton who were two of the people who are giving most of these accounts here pretty much came out and said as much that there's no way that the members of the Blackhawks didn't know about this, especially when you consider the homophobic comments that were being thrown around publicly by players and the allusions to this incident. And I I believe we looked at a tweet even today, like way back when this investigation was just sort of being broken down by Dan Carcillo, who was on the Flyers in 2010. And he said that members of the Flyers had at least heard rumors about this. We don't know whether they knew any specifics or anything like that, or if they had any confirmation. I'm going to assume no for the better judgment of the people on that team's character. I mean, if they knew about it, there's no way that Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane didn't know about that. But anyways, uh, we, we've got to get through the details here. So, all the members of the 2010 team are fired. Stan Bowman is out as the GM of Hockey USA. So... Those are the consequences that we're seeing right now. And then the NHL took $2 million from the Blackhawks, which, I mean, is fucking pocket change. Like, finding me $5 for jaywalking here. Except, you know, jaywalking is not nearly on the level of what happened. It's like if I killed somebody, right? And they find me $5 for it. Yes. That's that's pretty much... Yeah. And some, some other stuff that's come out here that... We can we can just go over really quickly um, before we get into the quotes by Kane and Taves, the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, who the Flyers played last night, Dave Tippett, essentially had a comment to the effect of, well, it's an unfortunate incident, but I am personally like well acquainted with or friends with some of the people in that organization, so I'm just not going to comment on it. And it's like, what? He used the words unfortunate. I, I just, so that that Jesus. happened. And then you have Jeremy Clinton, uh, the head coach of the Blackhawks, before this past game, who essentially said something to the effect of Stan Bowman is a good person. So this this is what we're dealing with here, folks. Like this is this is not a situation of well, it's a small collection of very shitty people. This impacts an enormous amount of the hockey world. I mean, earlier, like two years ago now, it's crazy how time flies. We saw the whole thing with Bill Peters and the people who were implicated in that. We didn't really see a lot of far-reaching effects from that. It was sort of treated as a, well, there are a couple bad apples, but for the most part, coaches are good. They do a good job. We're now seeing just how deep this rabbit hole goes 
with the Blackhawks, and we we can be assured that there are more incidents like this that have gotten covered up repeatedly. So hopefully, going forward, the NHL has learned its lesson with how terrible the press from this has been and won't replicate it. But I mean, it took a full day for the league to get around to even implying that they were going to fire Joe Quenville. Kevin Sheffield Dayoff, we still don't have any details on. Gary Bettman just non-committally basically said he's going to meet with them to get their side of the story and talk to them, which like what? Like a sick joke. And we see coaches and then again, we'll wrap this up with players who are treating this with zero gravity or respect and it just comes off as such a narcissistic culture. Oh, absolutely. It's horrifying. To just touch on Bettman real quick, what Gary Bettman could have done, and this is like his autobiography is what I could have done, but what Gary Bettman could have done that would have not pleased everyone, but at least been a better band-aid than what he did, would have been to tell those guys to, they cannot do any hockey operations until he speaks to them, and they are not associated with their clubs until he speaks to them. You know, like he needed to suspend them immediately and say that Yeah, like they are. This is so heinous. This is so just a, 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 such an upsetting topic, such an upsetting situation that he needed to put down the law and say, you guys cannot do anything. You can't do shit until I talk to your dumb asses because not even dumb. These guys knew what they were doing. They knew they were sweeping stuff under the rug. Joel Quenville, by the accounts that came out from the report, Joel Quenville willingly said, put the game above this just awful crime that happened. He just said, well, you know, we got to win the cup. Uh, I don't know when the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be back here. This might be our only shot. Got to gotta just brush everything aside for three weeks. It's just what an awful human being. And he hadn't learned any lessons. He he just cowardly ducked away from the press last night, coached a whole game, coached a whole game. And the fact that Gary Bettman let him coach that game is just, it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes. He should not have been anywhere within view of a television camera, unless it was a public apology for what he's done. There was absolutely no reason for him to be out there, and it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing as a fan of the sport. It's embarrassing as somebody who... It's embarrassing as a human being, frankly. Just sort of expanding on the whole idea of, and Beach talks about this in his interview, some important context here. Kyle Beach, 2008, 11th overall pick of the Chicago Blackhawks, once a very promising prospect, and then just sort of fell off the map after 2010, and this is probably most of the reason why that happened if not all. But you're you're looking at a situation where after the allegations are made, Stan Bowman and all the members of this Blackhawks organization categorically deny all of these things repeatedly. And Joel Quenville and Kevin Dayoff and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and a lot of these Chicago people from that run say, oh, well, we didn't know anything about it. I'm not involved with this. I don't know anything. And since they weren't originally directly implicated in the details of the suit, it it appeared that that was the case, right? But then as more details and more details come out, you start to realize, oh, that's that's not the truth at all. And now that we have the full investigation and all of the context and all of the responses on the table, it's very clear 
that Joel Quenville knew. Joel Quenville was in the room for all of this. Like, how could Joel Quenville not know? There's too much corroborated evidence at this point. It's it's all circumstantial, so I don't know that it's something that would hold up in a court of law, but he should not be coaching in the NHL right no. now. And you also have the added thing of Kevin Dayoff still denying that he knows anything about this. So we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks here, but hopefully it doesn't even take longer than that. The most comparable situation I can think of is the Jerry Sandusky situation with Penn State a few years ago. Yes, and that's exactly what that's it exactly is. That's exactly what it is. And so when Joe Paterno came out and was like, well, I don't know anything about all that, and like tried to be like, oh. And Greg Schiano, right? Yeah, like it was such clear bullshit to anybody with half a brain. And it, like, it's the same thing here. These head coaches, they are involved in everything. They know what's going on. There is no chance in hell Joel Quenville did not hear about this. There is no chance in hell. So this man is complicit, and he needs to go. He cannot be involved in hockey at any level ever again. And Sheveldayoff cannot be either. And I, I've seen these really weird things about Sheveldayoff where they're like, well, there's an assistant GM. Like, uh, that doesn't recuse him of anything. He That's knew. not an excuse. He knew. He, he knew. knew he didn't do shit. He didn't do shit. He was in enough of a position of power where he could have reported that and he could have helped him, Kyle Beach, work through this situation because he had access to the power structures in place. He could have done something and he didn't. That's the difference here is for the people who are forcing the advocacy here on Kyle Beach and saying, why didn't he go to the police? Why didn't he do all of this himself? Kyle Beach should not be responsible for making this shit happen. He was a black ace on this roster. He was barely on the roster. He felt like this was his one shot at being an NHLer. There's the entire culture surrounding hockey of don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. Don't be the guy who causes a distraction. As we fucking see with Joel Quenville here, that holds true. And the guys who are labeled as distractions don't play like Akima Lou, like P.K. Subban when he was shipped out of Montreal. And there's, there's a trend there. There's another trend, right? Well, and Akima Lu has a, a specific trend with Shevel Dayoff, too. Yeah. So, there's there's that culture of, if you make a problem about anything, then you're out. And he was barely on the roster at this point, so he had no security, no reason to believe that the Blackhawks would protect him, outside of the fact that he was a first-round pick. That's the only context that you can look at this and say, well, maybe he should have thought that they wouldn't get rid of him or they wouldn't harm his career or torpedo his career for ruining the reputation of the organization. And instead, what we get here is fucking mental skills coach, whatever the hell that means. This guy does not have a degree. He's not a doctor. He's, he's no sort of scientist in this sort of thing telling him that this is his fault And then he's mocked by the players on the team. He receives nothing from the people above him, from the NHLPA. Nothing. So why the fuck should he believe that he can go to the police in this situation and the Blackhawks are not just going to throw the entire weight of the organization against him and then even if he successfully finds justice out of this, that they wouldn't end his career or harm his career. Oh, yeah. Or that this would not harm his career prospectively other places because an organization would look at him as a guy who makes issues as fucking like 
disturbing as it is to say that. That's the truth here is you can't put the onus all the way on him here because he's coming off of a traumatic event. He feels alone. And when he reached out for support to help figure these things out, keep in mind, he's also a fucking 20 year old kid. Right. Who is not college educated or like brought up in the systems. And at the point in time in 2010 too, like this is, this is not a world that we're living in post me too, where we have a very progressive image surrounding all of this. And we still at the, the point in time that we're talking about this have such like an anti-progressive view on sexual assault on men, especially within athletics. So I can't even fucking imagine what Kyle Beach was going through. And you saw him break apart on this interview when he was talking about these things. This, this is entirely on the shoulders of the people who failed him here. It cannot be put any other way. Cannot be put any other way. You said it perfectly. And 20 years old, you know, I, I didn't know my, I didn't know how to do shit at 20. I'm just going to put it that way. I didn't know how to do anything. And I can't even imagine having such a traumatic experience happen to me. This guy has ruined multiple lives. Brad Aldrich has ruined multiple lives at this point. And the Chicago Blackhawks and the NHL allowed him to do it. And they allowed him to, to hold the Stanley Cup and celebrate. You know, it is just some of the most disgusting stuff I have ever seen. I'm just going to read some of the, the facts from the... Uh, I believe I got this from the report right here, the investigation. I believe one of the beautiful parts of our game is the focus on team success over individual achievements and accolades, Danny Wirtz said, but that cannot come at the expense of individual safety and well-being. It is clear that in 2010, the executives of this organization put team performance above all else. John Doe deserved better from the Blackhawks. I don't know if that's actually, I'll have to find the source on that, so my apologies for not having that offhand. It's just it's so bullshitty. Stan Bowman was one of seven members of the Blackhawks hierarchy in a May 2010 meeting in which they discussed the reported allegations of sexual assault against former Blackhawks player John Doe by video coach Brad Aldrich, according to the findings of Jenner and Block's independent investigation released Tuesday. Also in that meeting were team president John McDonough, executive president Jay Blunt, Blunk, Vice President of Hockey Operations, Al McIsaac, Assistant General Manager, Kevin Shevel-Dayoff, Coach Joel Quenville, and Mental Skills Coach James Gary. And then Bowman, in a release statement, put the blame on McDonough. 11 years ago, while serving in my first year as General Manager, I was made aware of potential inappropriate behavior by a then-video coach involving a player. I promptly reported the matter to the then-president and CEO who committed to handling the matter. I learned this year that the inappropriate behavior involved a serious allegation of sexual assault. I relied on the direction of my superior that he would take appropriate action. Looking back, now knowing that he did not handle the matter pro the matter promptly, I regret assuming he would do so. If they just if this franchise just disappeared off the face of the planet tomorrow, I think that's the only way people would feel even remotely better. It's just it's so disgusting. I feel like they shouldn't even be allowed to have an NHL friend. It's, it's not against the city of Chicago, but clearly everything stinks from the roots up in that franchise, in that organization. Yeah, I... The, the biggest thing here is, so we have people who are well past, like, the point of 2010 who were hired, hired into the Blackhawks organization. Anybody who was there in 2010 is gone now. That's not true of the players, but that is true of the front office. But at the same time, through this entire thing, these people who have worked under Stan Bowman, now, 
again, we have to take some of this with a grain of salt here uh, because these are people who fear for their jobs and things of that nature, but they have actively worked to discredit Kyle Beach and the allegations he was throwing the organization's way, despite not having all of the information, they just blindly pursued attacking him. And you can't categorically include all of the employees in this. That's not fair. But at the same time, we didn't see members of the organization coming forward. And I just, I want to read through some stuff here from Rick Rick Westhead. It's worth remembering here too that the 37 people that were contacted by the law firm investigating the Blackhawk scandal. So that's presumably members of the organization, former members of the organization, players, and uh, personnel, right, who were part of that 2010 team, none of them wanted an interview. None of them. None of them were cooperative with an interview. None of them wanted to be seen. None of them wanted to be on camera to try and right this wrong. So this this is an organizational thing, and it, it does touch everybody who is there, whether they were present for the initial incident or not, because there's no way in hell that some way through this process, people didn't figure out that Stan Bowman and company were full of shit. It's just the reality of things. So again, the Blackhawks are not going to fold. They're going to remain an NHL team, but they, the remorse that we're seeing after this is non-existent, partly from the organization itself, but then partly from the players as well. I want to read really quickly, Steve, if that's okay. Absolutely. The team statement that the Blackhawks put out. Oh, which is boy, yeah. Go ahead and read that. So, a statement from the Chicago Blackhawks. First, we would like to acknowledge and commend Kyle Beach's courage in coming forward. As an organization, the Chicago Blackhawks reiterate our deepest apologies to him for what he has gone through and for the organization's failure to promptly respond when he bravely brought this matter to light in 2010. It was inexcusable for the then executives of the Blackhawks organization to delay taking action regarding the reported sexual misconduct. No playoff game or championship is more important than protecting our players from staff and predatory behavior. The Blackhawks have implemented numerous changes and improvements within the organization, including hiring a new leadership team that is committed to winning championships while adhering to the highest ethical, professional, and athletic standards. That's the whole statement. They still put winning championships in their apology statement before we're going to adhere to the highest ethical professional athletic standards. Who the fuck on their PR team screwed that up? That is such a fundamentally stupid thing to do. And like, don't even, don't even throw in the fact that they're, they're doing a ton of PR damage control speak on, uh, the, the then executives at the Blackhawks organization. They delayed taking action rather than they didn't take action at all. The reported sexual misconduct, the sexual misconduct, no playoff game or championship is more important than protecting our players and staff from predatory behavior is like one of the only decent parts of this piece. And then it's instantly countered by championships in front of everything else. (laughs) And we've, we've already implemented numerous changes. We've got a new leadership team. Like it's, it's the whole thing is just dog shit. It's terrible. And it it shows a lack of understanding of just how grave their fuck-up is and how they ruined the life of a human being. Oh, absolutely. 
and instead is just like, we're really sorry that we got caught is what you read out of that. If you're a rational person, you come away with that. So we've, we've got that coming away from it. And then it might as well be the New England Patriots apologizing for deflated balls, you know? Yeah, like, except it's a million times more severe. They yeah. do not care. They care that they got caught. Right. And then it's it's just, let's 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 wrap this up just because I'm so fucking sick to my stomach talking it's about disgusting. this. But. It's disgusting, but it's necessary to talk about because this impacts the game so much. And well, fuck the game. You know, it impacts a human being. It impacts poor Kyle Beach, who had his life ruined by a predator. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, who still thinks that he he in this interview broke down crying. Because he feels responsible for the subsequent abuse that Aldrich perpetrated, which is, again, 100% the fault of the people at the top of the Chicago Blackhawks organization and throughout the organization who knew about this, and the NHLPA, and Gary Bettman, who most likely knew at least something about this and chose to ignore it. Because too many high-ranking people in the NHL knew something about this for Gary Bettman not to know at least a shred of information. So... We're walking away from this with Kyle Beach still feeling responsible for this kid getting molested by a monster because the team failed him. That's the sort of emotional damage that he has suffered from this. And if anybody can watch that interview and see that segment where he just breaks because he's so distraught over quote-unquote, him not doing enough, which is just false. He did plenty. I was tearing up watching it. I, you're, you're just, you're not a human being. I don't know what to tell you at this point. I'm so fucking fed up. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I, I wanted to quickly highlight a couple of the, I would say as far as the players go, the most culpable players, which would be the leadership group within that 2010 Jonathan team. Jonathan Patrick still, Kane. Yep. They are still with the organization and they still haven't learned shit. So, per Mark Lazarus of the Sun-Times, here are some quotes from Jonathan Taves post-game last night where they did conveniently did not play because uh, they were on the, the COVID protocol list. Who would have thought? What a crazy random happenstance. Taves, I don't wish to exonerate myself in any situation by saying I didn't know, but the truth is I hadn't heard about it until training camp the next year. That doesn't change what happened. It does make it go, it doesn't make it go away. We wish we could have done we wish we could have done something differently, myself included. My heart goes out to Kyle for what he dealt with. Wish I could have done something. Jonathan, you could have done a lot, my man. Fuck. Uh Wish I could have done something. It's not an excuse looking back, but the truth is a lot of us were focused on just playing hockey. Ugh. I feel a ton for what Kyle went through and what he's dealing with at this point, too. I don't know what else to say. I think the guys that were part of that group all wish they could have done something different. Winning the Stanley Cup that year is beside the point. Whether we win or lose, we wish we could take it back and it never happened and young players didn't have to deal with a situation like that. Stan and Al, they're not directly complicit in the activities that happened. I don't think you read the report, Jonathan. It's not up to me to comment on whether they would like to deal with it differently or not. I have a lot of respect for them as people. They're good people. Then let's read Patrick Kane's bullshit and we can comment on them and 
I I don't even know what else to say after this, but Patrick Kane, very courageous for Kyle Beach to come out and let his name be known to the world after everything he went through. Wish back then we could have done some different things, knew about some different things, maybe we could have helped him. Patrick Kane called the Bowman and McIsaac ousters necessary moves and the right moves, but he also called Bowman a great man who did a lot of things for me personally. Like... Jesus Christ, guys. You... Oh, you're missing you're missing the last part of the Taves quote here? Oh, am I? Great. So let me let me just throw this in here. Uh this is from Ben Pope on Twitter, uh at Ben Pope CST. Regardless of the mistakes or of mistakes that may have been made, for someone like Stan, who has done so much for the Blackhawks, and Al as well, to lose everything they care about and their livelihoods as well, I don't understand how that makes it go away to just delete them from existence and say, that's it, we'll never hear from them again. Oh. I have a lot of respect for them as people, they're good people, when it comes down to how they feel looking back on the situation, that's not up to me to comment on. So he might as well have just fucking thrown out there. Cancel culture has gone too far because that's basically what he just said in as many words. That's so much what worse. What a fucking douchebag. How is that so much worse? Oh, how did I miss that? It was so bad. How, oh. how can you be... I, I shouldn't ask that because hockey players, specifically star hockey players, are so self-centered most of the time that we really shouldn't be that shocked by this, but somehow we still are. Well, the thing is... All I have to say is, like, the first part of, like, the statement, right? Where it's just like, he's This was an atrocity! Just say it was an atrocity! It was a a horrible fuck-up by everybody involved, and I feel absolutely awful, and I will never be able to live with myself. Right. That's what you say. If you come out and you say, I will never be able to sleep soundly at night again because I failed somebody, that's what an actual captain of the repute that Jonathan Taves gets which we now know is wholly undeserved, would say in that situation is, I I am never going to be able to live with myself because I failed one of my players. And I let him down and I let him suffer because of me not being willing to do something or not realizing that something needed to be done. And then also just completely being oblivious to teammates being horrible to him or me just being too afraid to act. Because I didn't have full control of the locker room or some other bullshit at that point. Like, that's an acceptable thing for me to hear from Jonathan Taves. Because it at least shows that he feels guilt and, like, genuine horror and loathing within himself at his failures. But instead we get this. Whatever the fuck this is. Why bend over backwards to defend these guys who, by the way, are fucking rich. They're gonna be fine. You don't have to defend Stan Bowman is the son of the greatest coach in hockey history. He had every opportunity handed to him to be great. And he did this with all of that. Right. Keep that in mind. These guys don't need you to defend them. They don't need them. Al fucking McIsaac is a Hockey Hall of Famer. It's just, like, so tone deaf, right? They are completely tone deaf. They are completely just these fucking hockey robots that do not give a shit about anything besides the game. And, like, reading those Patrick Kane quotes, you can just see his eyes, like, glazed over in your head as you're reading them. Just like, yeah, he's very courageous of him. Like, I don't think Patrick Kane means a word of what he says. I could be no. They don't they, care. They don't care at all. And they're again sorry that they got caught, and they're probably thinking about the fact that this tarnishes some of their legacy. 
yeah. and hurts their chances of getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Although, how much? I'm not really sure. Oh, probably because not. Because I don't think all. any of the players are going to catch anything for this. People are going to go right back to saying, like, oh, well, you know, Patrick Kane's like the greatest American Hockey Hall you know, player of all time. Like, Jesus Christ. I, I just, it's unforgivable. It's all unforgivable. Let's just, I, I would like to close a loop on this because, you know, at this point it's just going to dissolve into us just going, fuck, for 20 more minutes. But to put a, uh, I don't know, put a cap on this, essentially, like, Kyle Beach, courageous view to come out. We are so proud of you. What you've done is huge. And there is nothing that can be done to apologize to you correctly, to, to make this better. But I have said time and time again, and it's just baffling why I have to keep saying this, but it also shows there is a deep problem with the game. Hockey needs to be better. This is a wonderful, beautiful game at its core, and it is just a cesspool of culture. Hockey culture is a cesspool. Sports culture is a cesspool. We need to improve this as a society. And the fact that all of this happened is just so god-awful. So just terrible. I feel sick to my stomach it is just sickening and awful and there's just not enough words in the world to to apologize to all the victims of brad aldrich and it's just a complete failure on hockey's part for these guys i i just i don't i don't have any more words uh it's it's one of the most upsetting failures of character by human beings i've ever seen and that's really saying something with all of the shit that's come out recently in sports with Larry Nassar and the Tyler Skaggs case where you have a guy on the team dealing opiates to players that he knows are addicted. And there's, there's just so much awful shit all over the world that really makes you question, are humans even like good? Are we capable of being inherently good or is it just everybody's inherently shitty and when they're not, then it's a rare exception? So unfortunately, before we could get to doing the fun portion of the show, Eamon's fire alarm went off and he has to recap the game, which is on at 10 p.m. Eastern tonight. So it's going to be a late one already. So unfortunately, no fun content, but I'm absolutely fine with that because this is such a big, serious issue that it needed to be talked about. It needed to be given the time and space to properly discuss it. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully we can get back to, you know, having some fun next week. But for the time being, we needed to talk about this and we needed to give it its proper due. If you have any feedback, you can follow Eamon at Jin and UC, like UC Soros. You can follow me at Flyperbole or at Estebaum. Uh, if it's for hockey, you should probably make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. 
most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.